This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is 82 years old. Many liberals are calling on him to retire so that Joe Biden can get a younger successor confirmed by this Senate before the 2022 elections when Democrats may lose control of the next Senate. But should Breyer retire? He seems perfectly healthy and competent. For comment, we turn to Joan Walsh. Of course, she's the nation's national affairs correspondent and the producer of The Sit-In, the documentary on Peacock TV about the week in 1968 when Harry Belafonte hosted The Tonight Show. We reached her today at home in Manhattan. Joan, welcome back. Thanks, John. Great to be here. Well, back in 2013, when after Obama was re-elected, some of our friends called on Ruth Bader Ginsburg to retire. She refused, and you defended her decision. What was your thinking at that point? My thinking was, you know, women are are often starting their careers later in life. Uh, wasn't so much true for Justice Ginsburg, but in general. And she was just the most liberal justice I could imagine. I mean, I think Sonia Sotomayor has come along and and taken that spot. But at the time, Justice Ginsburg was saying, you know, Obama will never appoint anybody like me. She was an ACLU attorney, you know, clearly pro-choice, just held views that could, you know, no longer be confirmed. And... And and I just thought she was great. You know, I don't even think that the notorious RBG stuff had totally started at that point. Finally, like her, I thought, well, she will retire when President Hillary Clinton is elected. But that didn't happen. And so, you know, we saw we saw what happened. We've we've seen what happened with the refusal to let President Obama appoint Merrick Garland to replace Antonin Scalia. We've seen what happened once Trump got elected and pushing through horrific judges. And so I am just afraid right now that we are in a situation where we've got about a year to confirm a Democratic appointee at at most. Well, if Breyer resigned, Biden has promised to appoint a black woman. But there aren't very many black women on the federal bench, especially at the appeals court level, which is where I understand 11 of the last 12 Supreme Court nominees have come. There are five black women there. All of them will be 68 or older this year. Who's on the list? There are a variety of great black women being mentioned. Uh, J. Michelle Childs uh, of South Carolina is a, is a favorite of Jim Clyburn, who often gets his way. Leslie Abrams Wagner, Stacey Abrams' sister, but she's got much more going for her than that. She's brilliant in her own right, is another person who's mentioned. I've always pushed for Sherilyn Eiffel of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund because, you know, our first black justice was Thurgood Marshall, who also came from that storied, glorious place. Let me just say, I'm for Sherilyn Eiffel, too. She's fantastic. She's She's brilliant. We've seen her on MSNBC with Rachel Maddow a few times, and she's the best. Yeah, she really is. And so I don't I don't feel that the next the next justice, him or her, whatever race has to come from the appeals court, but they, they, they traditionally have. And it's really a shame and kind of shocking that there's so few women in that black women in that pipeline. 
The news today, we're speaking on Tuesday, is that Biden has nominated 11 people for seats on the federal appellate bench and federal district courts. This is the earliest any new president has nominated people for the courts. Tell us about the 11 people he has nominated. Judge Katenji Brown Jackson of the D.C. Circuit, she's been she's been on the short list uh, because she's already great. Elevating her is going to have a lot of impact. I mean, it really it, it puts her on a shorter list, to be honest. I mean, once she's confirmed and she will be confirmed, uh, it's just easier to appoint people once they've been confirmed as part of it. He's nominated three black women nominated a, a, one of the first Muslim women. I mean, it's it's the most diverse roster. And the fact that there are 11, I mean, I saw today in the number of judge appointment, judicial appointments that prior presidents have done have been in the single digits and often the single digit is zero. So, you know, it's, it's really another one of those things I you know, we've talked about this before. Joe Biden was not my pick. But he has come out of the gate very energetically and with a lot of ideas that show that he's learned from, you know, the problems of his predecessor, Barack Obama. And there's one other notable name that is of a nominee for the Seventh Circuit, which is currently all white judges. Biden on Tuesday nominated Candace Jackson Akiwumi, somebody I've never heard of, but she was a federal public defender in Chicago for a decade. This is not the typical Harvard Law corporate defender, white man judge that that has been getting into the courts for decades. No. And that's also where we got, they got uh, Amy Coney Barrett. That's also kind of fascinating. I mean, you know, Trump was an amoral moron, but he was controlled very well by the powers that be. And, you know, in addition to tax cuts, he really processed whatever Mitch brought him. He appointed them. Mitch got them through largely because he couldn't do that or he couldn't work with that efficiency until Harry Reid moved some things around. Barack Obama didn't do that. Uh, And so we really wound up leaving Donald Trump a lot of seats to fill. And Joe Biden has learned that lesson. So, you know, to the extent that Trump left a few unfilled, they're being filled. And I think that that will be a a huge priority of the administration going forward. So we're talking about Biden's promise to nominate a black woman for the next Supreme Court opening. But some people are saying, shouldn't Merrick Garland get the nomination? He was robbed of a Supreme Court seat by Mitch McConnell. It's sad, but it doesn't work that way. I'm thrilled that he's going to be, or he is, he got confirmed. Finally, he's he's our attorney general. I admire him. I have nothing against him, but I never thought that he should have been Obama's pick in the first place. We didn't need another white man on the Supreme Court. He was already older than, you know, I mean, Amy Coney Barrett is 49 years old. That's what they're looking for. That's what they've been looking for. They've been appointing people in their 40s, 49 through 50. We have to learn from that, too. So the idea that Merrick Garland is in his 60s, which I am, too. I don't like discriminating against people in their 60s for any reason. But you've got we've got to start playing hardball. And and that's part of why, you know, I came down reluctantly on the side of I hope Justice Breyer 
does resign. Speaking of older people stepping down, Diane Feinstein is the oldest senator right now, 87. She's on, she's still on the Senate Judiciary Committee, although she's no longer the chair. She would be replaced by a Democrat because she's from California. Pat Leahy of Vermont is 86. You know, he's a wonderful guy, but 86 is pretty old. Yes. I mean, Leahy, you know, Vermont has nominally a Republican governor and, uh, you know, there are uh, there are laws in place where maybe, you know, they would have to appoint a Democrat. But but still, you know, they if they don't step down, they've really got to pledge not to run again. I mean, we've got six uh, Democratic senators in office right now who, not to be morbid, but God forbid, if they were to die in office, would be replaced by Republican governors. Uh, And so, you know, part of the calculus with uh, uh, surrounding the Supreme Court justices is that they they can die. Uh, But with the Democrats having basically a dead even, uh, a majority that only depends on Kamala Harris, if we lose any of them, we lose everything. And, you know, to me right now, the Supreme Court just halting the bleeding, you know, it's 6-3, God forbid it's 7-2, we lose the country, is the top priority. Uh, And so I really think that all the people, at least over 80, and, you know, (laughs) perhaps in their late 70s, have to be thinking about that. And so it's morbid. Again, it's like not what I like to go around thinking about. But it's it's a crisis. Well, just to stick with morbid for another minute, when you have a 50-50 Senate, you worry about every single uh, one of your people. We have lost Democratic senators before they got to their 80s. Paul Wellstone was killed in a plane crash when he was 58, and a Republican won the, the election to replace him. Eventually, that seat was occupied by Al Franken, but then he was driven from office by Democrats, unfairly in the view of many of us. So things happen even to your younger incumbents that you'd never expected. Well, that is true. That is part of life. But there are some things that are more likely. I hate this whole topic, but, you know, (laughs) people in their 80s and late 70s are more likely to have something happen to them. And I hope they don't. I hope they live very happily into their 90s or, you know, beyond 100 with their grandchildren and great grandchildren beside them. But they don't really necessarily have to be in the United States Senate or on the Supreme Court to have a fulfilling life. So we conclude that Justice Stephen Breyer should retire. My last question is, how soon should he do this? Pretty soon, pretty soon. I mean, partly because of the morbid things we were just discussing, but also because, you know, Republicans will find a way to postpone it, whatever happens. Uh, And, you know, the 2022 midterms are really coming up fast. Joan Walsh wrote about why Breyer should retire for thenation.com. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.